This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationlim.org. You know, I, I wanted to teach today on something that's very important to me. I wanted to talk about healing, the, the power of healing. And uh, after last week, I talked about the Holy Spirit last week. How many of you were here last week and you heard about the Holy Spirit? Okay, well, after I finished the message last week on the Holy Spirit, I, I went to prepare and I thought, in, in my, you know, pastors, we get kind of this idea of what we want to teach. We want to teach along certain lines and we want to lead people into certain truths. And, you know, this year is a year of going back to basics. And, and when, when you go back to basics, there's some certain things that you want to do that have to be foundational. And so last week I said, well, let's just talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We had many people, by the way, filled with the Holy Spirit last week. Many people get born again last week, and it was a, quite, a, quite an incredible morning. As I went to prepare this week, I felt like the Holy Spirit checked me and said, I want you to speak about the Holy Spirit again. I want you to speak about me to the church. So this is part two on the Holy Spirit, and it's called fruit and gifts. And I didn't get it wrong. It's not fruits and gifts. It's fruit. There's only one fruit of the Holy Spirit manifested in many different ways, many different temperaments, and, and then there are many gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to kind of break it down and we'll talk about fruit to start with, and then we'll talk about gifts, okay? So if you open your Bibles with me to the book of John, and I'd like you all to look there. We're going to look at eight very powerful verses, and so get your real Bible out and, and, and get your real pen out, okay? And, and, and let's take some real notes. Uh, because we're going back to basics, this is foundational stuff. This is, you know, what we call Bible 101, and I know you all know it, so, you know, but it's by, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you to remembrance of things you already know, okay? Sometimes pastors go back and we go over things that we've taught many, many times. And, you know, don't get bored. Ask God to give you new revelation, okay? So in John, the 15th chapter, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. It says, uh, Jesus was speaking. He was teaching his disciples. And he's teaching. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges. That it may bring forth more fruit. Now, you're clean. Everybody say, you're clean. Through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch that is withered and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you do abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you will and it will be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So shall you be my disciples. How do we know that we're a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because we're bearing fruit. Not only fruit, but we're bearing You can ask whatever you will, and it'll be given to you of your Father who's in heaven. Now that's a powerful, powerful promise for abiding. 
The problem is that many of us have forgotten what it means to abide, or some of us don't know how to abide, or we've, we, we, we don't know that, that what that abiding means. And, and abiding simply means this, that you're only as full of the sap, the spirit-appropriated power the, the, that flows through the, the vine as you are connected and as you are abiding in the word of God itself. Jesus, the vine, and Jesus, the word, are the same thing. Does that make sense? So somebody comes to me and they tell me, well, I love Jesus. I say, okay, how much Bible do you read? Oh, no, I don't read the Bible, but I love Jesus. No, you love the idea of Jesus. You don't love Jesus. You love the idea of Jesus because you only love Jesus as much as you love his word. He is the word. You can't know Jesus apart from the word. And you can't love Jesus if you're disobedient to his word. Abiding in the vine doesn't mean that you just, what does it mean? It, it means you're one with him. You're obeying him. You're, you're doing what the word says. You're grafted into the word. And, and the word is flowing through you. So there's a guide in your life. We live in a really funny world today where we have people that are defining who God is to themselves. They're not grafted into the vine. They just say, no, no, no. This is the vine that I'm grafted into. My Jesus is this Jesus, and, and this gnarly thing that they're grafted into isn't Jesus at all. It's just their kind of weird idea of what they'd like Jesus to be like or what they'd like God to be like. You know, if, God, if, if God would be like this, then this is why I am the way I am. And so they interpret it themselves, but that's not what God taught. He said, no, no. He said, you conform to what you're grafted into. And so we should be able to see certain fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. See, we bring glory to the Father by bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I said earlier, we're likened to branches. Branches that don't bear fruit are cut off. There's nothing worse for me to see a Christian that's not bearing fruit or that gets cut off. I've watched people get cut off. It hurts me. They were once bearing fruit. They were once really alive. And now all of a sudden they're like no longer producing. They're no longer alive. And you can see there's no life in them. They're not attached anymore. They find it hard to fellowship. They, they can fellowship around anything except the word of God. They are branches that are not bearing fruit. We need to pray that God can restore those people. The Bible speaks in the book of Jude about those that are twice dead, twice dead. They were once saved and then they trampled the blood of Jesus underfoot and are no longer saved. I don't know if they can be restored. You say, oh no, once saved, always saved. No, not once saved, always saved. You can get to a place that you lose your salvation. That's why one of the great indicators of life in your life is if you're being pruned. He says those that bear fruit, he prunes that they might bear more fruit. Well, I'll tell you what, I have had really, really tough times where I go through these seasons where God's cutting me, God's chopping, he's lopping off dead stuff in my life. He's, he's challenging me, it's painful. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? See, and, and, and it's hard sometimes to let God do that because he 
But he says, hey, no, no, no. He says, I'm going to take all the sap suckers off. Yeah, if you, if you, if you, you know, we, uh, we have some very, very good gardeners in our church. I'm not one, but we have some very good gardeners in our church. And I get them to come to my house and they, you know, uh, uh, in fact, Juanita's here. She has a great little business and she comes and she, she, she'll say, well, we got to cut that limb and we got to do this. And I, yeah, mm-hmm. I pretend like I know exactly what she's talking about. But she's telling me that we got to take off these sap suckers, these things that are taking away if that tree is going to bear fruit or if those roses are going to bloom. Uh, we have a couple of people that do roses in the church. They're amazing. If the roses are going to give you a, a harvest of roses, I didn't know, but there's lots of these things that grow out, these sap suckers. And, and, and they're, they're just like, but they don't produce anything. They, they, they just get gnarly. So when they cut back a rose bush, sometimes you think, what have you done? That was a beautiful bush. And now look at it. It's like this little gnarly thing. It's all cut up. And, or that you cut back a fruit tree. And you think, why did you do that? Because it's going to, by cutting off all that stuff that's not bearing fruit, it's going to bear much more fruit than it did before. That's what God does in your life. God loves the fact that you're bearing fruit. But he says, that you might bear more fruit, I'm going to prune you. Now, there's many ways that God will prune you. He'll prune you with your leadership in the church. He'll prune you primarily through the word of God. Jesus said this. He says, you are clean already because of the word I've spoken to you. Now, you have to understand that's the primary way that God deals with you. But if you're not in the word, if you're not living by the word, if you're not aligning yourself to the word, then what happens is you have something else that's in your life. And usually it's producing the sap suckers. Usually it's taking life away from you because you're not abiding in the vine. You see, I don't believe that we can bear fruit by ourselves. We have to be grafted into the vine. The only way to bear fruit and the fruit of the Spirit is to remain in Christ, to remain in the vine. What does it mean to stay in the vine? It means to stay submitted to Christ, stay submitted to his word. I was speaking to my sons and a couple of my leaders this week. God gave me a real revelation that I want to share with you. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden, he had no need of intellectual knowledge. Because he was fellowshipping with the source of all knowledge. He was fellowshipping with love himself. He was fellowshipping with life himself. He was fellowshipping with the all-knowing, all-present, all-wise, all-powerful, almighty God. Adam had access to what is called revelation knowledge. And that's, that's why Adam was able to do incredible things like name all the animals. Sometimes you think, oh, he must have been really smart. No, no, he was just very, very connected and very obedient and very alive in the life of Almighty God. He had access to the knowledge of God. And, and uh, it wasn't a labor for him because he wasn't moving out of some kind of natural knowledge, he was moving out of a revelation. He, it, something would come before him, he'd say, oh, that's a giraffe. That, oh, that's a hippopotamus. That's a, oh, oh, that, that's a, 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 a blue bottle fly. 
I mean, he had, and, and he just named everything. It, it just came out of him because he was really connected to God. He had revelation knowledge. But then he committed high treason against God. And what was the high treason? The enemy came and said, hey, do you, you know what? If you really want to be like God, you can eat out of this tree, the one that God forbids you to eat out of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, when you get this kind of knowledge, you'll be like God. And the reason God doesn't want you to have that is so that you'll, he doesn't want you to be like him. But meanwhile, when you're submitted to God and you're in God's presence and you have, you are like God. And, you have, and, and, and you're reflecting God's glory. You're, you, you have access to everything God had. But by partaking and committing high treason and, and committing this sin, he now has a knowledge that separates him from God. And, and, and God says, I have to do something now. I have to usher him out. I have to cut him off from the Garden of Eden, lest he eat of the tree of life and get stuck here forever. But man began to bear a different kind of fruit now, the fruit of his own knowledge. He had to work by the labor of his own hands. He had to figure things out by himself. He had to learn how to work the land. He had to labor at the sweat of his own brow. He didn't have this revelation knowledge anymore. And so man devolved from there. If you've studied the history of man, man went down. See, men used to live 800 years, 700 years, 900 years. Did you know that Adam saw Noah? Noah was alive when Adam was still alive. That was his great, 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 great grandfather, but he'd lived for 900 years. No one, no one knew Adam. We don't see, you, sometimes you don't read your Bible very well. You think, oh yeah, that, you think of our generation. You think, oh yeah, grandpa, I don't even know my great-grandfather. My great-great-grandfather. No, these guys, hey, 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 tell us the story again. What was it like in the garden? And you did what? Do you see what I'm saying? And, 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 and the, the, but the revelation began to wane. The, the life began to wane. Uh, eventually we get to know, and, and, and men don't live past about 120 years old. The, the, later on, the Bible says that men can live to be 80 years old, 70, 80 if by reason of health. So you can see that it's devolving. We're not, we're not increasing, we're devolving. And, 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 and knowledge, although we live in the information age and we think knowledge is so powerful, it's nothing compared to revelation knowledge. And so what did God do? God sent his son Jesus to restore us to a place that we can have fellowship with the Father. We can be grafted back into the vine, the word, the word of God. And, and some of you don't take advantage of that. You still think that educational knowledge is the most important knowledge. But you forget that there's another knowledge, the knowledge of God, that is more powerful. And it's revelation knowledge. Now, even the Proverbs teaches us this. It says, get knowledge. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not against knowledge. I'm all for knowledge, in fact. I believe in education. I'm not an anti-educationalist. I am anti some of the education you're getting right now because it's gone crazy, because it's anti-Christ, it's anti-biblical, 
when they start telling you that a man can be a woman because he feels like it, I can tell you right now, we've gone crazy. You can feel whatever you want to, but it doesn't change the fact that there were male and female, man and woman, that there are male chromosomes and female chromosomes, and it's science, it's biology, not psychology. I thought I'd get at least a better amen than that. But see, there's a number of things that we have to go back to, a higher wisdom, and the higher wisdom is a revelation knowledge that we get through God. So with all your knowledge, get understanding. With understanding, get wisdom. Wisdom can only come from God. But you cannot have wisdom apart from the word of God. Now, I I, I happen to work with a number of business people, a number of people, and I'm beginning to see when I work with people, there are those that are tapping into a supernatural revelation knowledge, even in the way they run their business. I don't know how you run your business ethically in this world without wisdom. Now, unethically, yeah, you, you, you just get as clever as the next guy, and you cheat, lie, steal, bribe, and do that. Yeah, you're, you're, and, and, they, and we call you clever. But you're unrighteous. And there's no blessing in that, because when the end is over, they're gonna, your sons and daughters are going to look at you and say, yeah, my dad got me through school, but he had to cheat, lie, steal, had three wives to do it. Whereas righteous men will be able to say, son, look, it was hard. It wasn't easy. But let me tell you something. Narrow is the path that leads to life. And there's a wisdom that you can get from God. If you abide in the vine, God will guide you. He says, I'll take you through the forest or through the fire, through the storm. I'll take you through trouble. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, and see, there's a fruit that comes, a fruit of the Spirit for those that will want to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, abide in the Spirit, and allow the revelation of God to guide you and lead you. But but if you figure it another way, guess what? God will let you go that other way, but it will not bear fruit. It won't bear the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, it'll bear fruit. Don't get me wrong. You'll bear a fruit all right. One Bible says this, it says, one verse says this, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it partake thereof. Those that eat out of what they speak. Once you understand this, you begin to speak differently. I don't know about you, one of the things that God started pruning in my life was my speech. He said, you cannot bear good fruit by speaking bad words. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do we serve a different God? No, he's dealing with you too. So there's, a, there's still a path for us to gain in obtaining revelation knowledge, and especially for the believer now, and that's abiding in the vine. It's abiding in the word of God and allowing the word of God to produce the spiritual fruit of the spirit of God, the spiritual fruit of God in our lives. See, the fruit of the Spirit are listed in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit. Notice it says the fruit, not the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is multifaceted, like God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And against such there is no law. 
Against us there is no law. When you're producing the fruit of the Spirit, you have no fear. When you're producing the fruit of the Spirit, you, you, you don't have to fear because you're not breaking the law. You're not, you're not doing something illicit, Ill, Ill, illegitimate, illegal. You're full of the spirit of life. Likewise, the kingdom of God is based in a fruitful disposition. You know the scriptures in uh, Luke 17, 21, it says the kingdom of God does not come with observation. It comes in the hearts of men. You know, many people are looking for the kingdom of God in some kind of physical kingdom. It's not. It, it comes in the hearts of men. I, I can't explain how the kingdom of God works other than this. When you're around kingdom people, you know it. Your hearts are knit. You, you say, oh, I, I, I can fellowship with that person. It, it's not hard to fellowship with a kingdom person. Why? There's, there's, there's a fruit of the kingdom. The kingdom has a certain disposition about it, a certain fruit about it. And it's easy to be around those people. If you're not in the kingdom, if you're in another kingdom, it's very hard to have a fellowship with the kingdom of God people. Because Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not a matter of this world. It's not a matter of eating and drinking and cars and houses and things and stuff. And, and, and that's where most people live their whole lives. He says, it, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, there's a fruit that comes with the kingdom of God. This fruit of righteousness or right thinking. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when you're with kingdom people, there's this disposition. It's, it's easy. We can sit and talk. What church do you go to? I don't care because I sense you're a kingdom person. See, and in the kingdom, I can relate to you. There's a kingdom spirit. There's a fruit. Right thinking. Peace, joy, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in those of us in the kingdom. That's why when you get with some so-called believers, you don't gel with them. Because they're not kingdom people. They may not even be born again. They may be church people. They may be people that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. What is the power? Abiding in the vine. That the life of God is flowing through you. The fruit of the Spirit is flowing through you. You're producing fruit. Just tap your neighbor and say, you know, I think his preaching's better than your amening this morning. Would you just do that? <laughs> so let's look at a few more scriptures. Open your Bibles to the book, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll jump around. We'll get to 1 Corinthians 14 in a second, and then I'll wrap this up. Is that okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest is love. But one, of, one of the things I, I, I want to say here is that uh, Corinthians is the love chapter, but it, it's the... It's the chapter that comes just before the 14th chapter and, and just after the 12th chapter. And the 12th and the 14th chapter talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of God manifested in the church, manifested in a believer's lives. But the qualifying factor of these gifts is the fruit. Faith, hope, and love, faithfulness. These things are important because Gifts without fruit are terrible. 
The other thing we have to understand is that the fruit of the Holy Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit. And where is the Holy Spirit at? People don't understand that. But in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, it says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? See, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, there's got to be a cleansing of your temple. There's got to be an abiding and an allowing of him to have his space inside of you. You know, uh, there's there's a story in the Old Testament that talks about, uh, I forget who it was. I, I think I think it was Joshua. And, 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 and the angel of the Lord appears to Joshua. Joshua challenges the angel of the Lord. He says, uh, whose side are you on? And the angel said kind of this. He says, I didn't come to take sides. He says, I came to take over. See, and that's kind of how God is in your life. God doesn't come to take sides. He's not on your side. He's on his own side. God says, I didn't come to take sides. He says, I came to take over. He says, I, I'm either Lord of all or I'm not Lord at all. And so he's going to become Lord of all. Now you will kick and scrape and chafe and, 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 and be drug into it sometimes. But I would recommend that your prayer be always this. Not my will be done, but yours. That your prayer would always be this. If this cup can be taken from me, take it. But nevertheless, your will be done. Because that cup can never be taken away. If he, if he puts his finger on it, he's going to get it. Just tap your neighbor and say, you know, I think he's talking to you today. Just, just say that. I think it's for you, okay? So can you understand the importance of fruit? The whole kingdom operates with this fruit, this fruit of the Spirit. And, and we should be seeing the fruit evident in our lives. Our fellowship should get sweeter and sweeter. Amen. You know, I, I think of some people I know that they get bitter. They allow a root of bitterness to come in. It chokes out the fruit, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things begin to choke out the life of God, choke out the word of God. And, and before long, those that used to love to come to church, used to love the fellowship, used to love to be around brothers and sisters have all of a sudden become lackluster. There's no longer that life in them anymore. There's no longer that desire that, 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 that they're drying up. Their branches withering. Boy, I want to encourage you. If you feel like you've been drying up, it's time to get back into the word of God. Abide in the vine. Let his word dwell richly in you. Become a partaker of the vine. Thank you for those three amens. I still think my preaching is better than your amen. Can, can we move on? Let's move on. Say, say pastor, let's move on. You're, you're stepping on our toes. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on to spiritual gifts. We lo- we're like the Corinthians. We love the gifts. Give us the gift stuff now. Don't talk about the fruit. Let's talk about the gifts, okay? Can we move on to the gifts now? All right. Romans 12. Turn to Romans 12. Verses 6 through 8. It says, having then gifts differing. There's different gifts. According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching or exhorting on exhortation, and he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, and he that rules, let him do it with diligence, and he that showeth mercy, let him do it with cheerfulness. So, so what Paul's saying is, and, and, and we, we love these gifts, he's saying that there's different gifts that operate in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God anoints different people with different gifts. I, I, have, I have a couple of gifts here in the church that I love. We have a gift of governance. You know, uh, God brought a man to us, Lishan, he's sitting on the front row, and he has the gift of governance. 
And he came and he says, hey, I'm going to give a year of my life to help you. Well, he didn't know what he was getting into. I didn't know what we were getting into. But it got deeper, deeper. But his gift of governance has brought some new order, some new structure to, to some things that we needed in the body. The body benefited by that. We have, we have a number of men and women here that have gifts of giving. They have a gift. It's a gift. It's a, it's a gift in the Bible that God gifts you. You're able, and, 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 and they, they're givers. They just give. And, and, and they, I can't believe how creative they are and how generous they are. You know, uh, Pastor Fidelis was up here receiving the offering today. Do you know why I like him on the platform to give, to receive the offering? He's one of the biggest givers in the church. I mean, his company and him, I mean, I, I feel like we're just joined at the hip. I mean, anytime we need something, he gives. You know, we pay for some of it, but man, most of it, he just is that generous heart. But if you watch his company, if you see what God's done, it's amazing to see. And, and, and it's not just him. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's one of those notable examples. He's like a Barnabas amongst us. There's many of you like that. But, but, but we have others. I, I, I see many, many faithful men and women who out of their substance, out of their, they, they use that gift of, it's a gift of giving. And they love it. They delight in it. But then there's who, those that have gifts of teaching and gifts of apostleship and gifts of prophecy. And he says, different gifts given according to the grace that's upon our life, the way that God gives it. Each of you has a different grace. Here's what I don't like. I don't like this idea that because you saw somebody prophesy a certain way that we're all that way. God didn't make sausages. He doesn't make bricks. He says we're lively stones joined together. Each one of you is so different, so diverse, that sometimes we have to step back and say, just like God is multifaceted, so is his church, and we have to give room for you to express yourself the way you do. And sometimes we have to correct you because it's outside of the Bible, but sometimes it's peculiar. And we have to say, wait, I, I, that made me feel a little strange, but that was really how God, God, I heard God in that. This is a tough crowd this morning. <laughs> Just tap your neighbor. Say, now I know he's talking about me. <laughs> so so there's, there's different kinds of gifts that God gives. There's gifts, and these are all by the Spirit, by the Spirit. There's leadership gifts. In Ephesians 4, God, Jesus came and gave gifts to the church. He says, when he ascended on high, in verse 8, he said, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. In verses 11 through 13, he says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Now, I want you to notice that verse of Scripture, especially in the King James Version, because it says to some he gave... He gave some apostles, some prophets, some, some version says to be. He didn't make them to be that. He gave some apostles, some prophets. And, and, and I want you to understand this. When you understand this in the, the way that it's described in the actual Greek language, he gave to the church these gifts. But the gift doesn't determine who they are to you. You determine who the gift is to you. Do you remember when Jesus said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward? If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward? See, for some of you, 
you see me as an apostle. Oh, he's my apostle. I've never told you I was an apostle, by the way. You'll never hear that word come out of my mouth. Oh, but he's apostolic. Well, if you think I'm apostolic, you'll get an apostolic reward. If I am. Oh, but he's prophetic. He's a prophet. He prophesied over my life. If you receive a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. But you determine who the person is in your life. So some, some, some wild guy walks in here and he's with hair flowing in his garment. I'm a prophet. No, you aren't. We don't know who you are. We don't know where you came from. You have no standing in my life. You're nothing to me. I think I told you about the little boy that came with his entourage. I, don't think he, I think he learned to shave and was a prophet on the same day. And he wouldn't speak on his own behalf, so his friend says, this is prophet so-and-so. So I stopped. I said, what's your name? Prophet. And he tells me, I'm prophet so-and-so. I, did, I said, did your mother name you prophet? Is that your first name? Well, in Africa, you never know. It could be, that may be his name. I said, did your mother name you prophet? I said, what's your name? I said, put all that prophet here. I said, you're not a prophet to me. You have no standing in my church. You have no standing with me. I don't receive you as a prophet. I just wanted to know who you are. Oh, George, nice to meet you. My name's Tom. <laughs> Guys, be careful. Just because somebody tells you there's something doesn't mean they are. Hmm? And they may not be what they say they are. You know, somebody comes in here and they say, I've got measles. I've got measles. I'm, I've got measles. And they can tell you all day that they have measles, but if they have mumps, you're not going to get measles. You're going to get mumps. You follow what I'm saying? So be discerning about the gifts. But God gave gifts. God gave gifts. And he says, some, 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 some. In our church, I have to tell you this, I believe we have all five of those gifts. And they work at different levels and different layers. But you know, even the Apostle Paul never said, I'm Apostle Paul. He said, I am Paul, an apostle by the will of God. You know, people ask me all the time. I, I've had, we've had people come and stand on this platform and say, Bishop. They're talking to me. And, they're looking, and, I, and I just ignore them. Bishop. And then they make the point, Bishop Tom. I said, excuse me, I'm not Bishop Tom. I'm not a bishop. I'm a pastor. Now, he sees me as a bishop, but I'm not a bishop. I'm just a pastor. And, I'm not even, and, and, and the only reason I use the title pastor is because it's easier because it's just Pastor Tom. But I, I believe there is an honor that we must show and respect. But I don't think I determine that. I think no man takes this honor upon himself. You must determine it. We are gifts given to the body of Christ. The body of Christ isn't here to serve us. We're here to serve you. Our job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Who's the ministers of the gospel? Who are the ministers of the gospel? Everybody raise your hand. Say, I'm a minister. I'm the minister of the gospel. Then who am I? You're taking my job. No, I'm not the minister. I'm here as a gift to help equip you to do the work of the ministry. But see, 
We don't understand that. Now, see, I knew, you, I knew you knew all this. This is just, you know, like I said, it's just a review. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Not only are there leadership gifts, but in, in, in the 12th chapter of the book of Corinthians, it says, now there are diversities of gifts. There are diversities of gifts. So we, we saw earlier that there are gifts that differ according to the grace of God. There's different gifts. Now listen to what he says. Now there are diversities of gifts. There's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit everybody. So let me tell you something. If the Spirit of God is moving and using you, it's not to profit you. This is where I have a problem with our prophets. The only people that make a profit when they're a prophet are the prophets. The gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't to make you profit. They're to profit with all. They're to profit those that you minister to. But by the way, if, if God uses me with a diverse gift, if God gives me a gift, it's not my gift. You are, I have the gift of healing. No, you don't. If you have a gift of healing, it's to give to somebody else. The gift isn't for you. The gift is to be used to give to somebody else. Oh, I have the gift of prophecy. Well, then use that gift because it's not for you. It's to bless somebody else. May you decrease and may the gift increase. May Jesus be glorified in the way that he manifests himself by his spirit through you. But this idea, I am somebody. That, who are you? Who are any of us? saved by the Spirit of God, by the grace that works in us. And all these gifts are available to all of us. To profit with all. To one is given the, by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all of these worketh that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man. Everybody say every man. doesn't say dividing to special men of God, to special prophets, to special intercessors, to super spiritual people. He says, these work the same self, the work of that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Man, I don't know about you, that makes me excited. That means we have a whole church of people that can be used by God. One has a word of knowledge, another has a word of wisdom, another one has a gift of prophecy. And, 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 and the, by the same Holy Spirit, Instead of waiting for the big holy man from the north to come. Yes, I've arrived. Now, God will use a man of God. God will to model it, to be examples. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that are used in those giftings to equip the saints so you can see how they manifest. Don't get me wrong. I'm not de detracting from that. But we've, 
exalted men above their stature, above the status that God exalts them. Let let me just talk to you about the guiding attitude around spiritual gifts. The guiding attitude around spiritual gifts is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I would like you to turn there and just maybe circle this, circle it again, circle it again, circle it again, put stars by it, put asterisks by it, memorize it. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, follow after love or follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. But rather that you might prophesy. Boy, I, I tell, there's something here that I want you to grasp. The motivating force behind spiritual gifts is love, follow after love. If you really love people, he says, out of love, seek these gifts. And in seeking the gifts, he says, seek above all that you might prophesy. Do you know why prophecy is such a powerful gift? Because it encourages, it edifies, it builds up. That's what it's for. The prophecy that the Holy Spirit gives is to edify, to encourage, and to build up. The motivating force behind spiritual gifts, First Corinthians, go back to 13, chapter 13. Listen to what Paul said. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love or charity, I'm become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love or I have not charity, I am nothing. Boy, can you, can you hear the resonation of how God and how somebody who's full of the fruit of the Spirit can now be used in the gifts of the Spirit? We must seek the fruit so that the gifts can be manifest in a way that doesn't become loud, clanging symbols. In fact, in the Old Testament, if you understand the Old Testament high priest, he would go in behind the veil and he wore a garment. And on the base of the garment, it had a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate. You know, if he had just bells on there, he would be a loud clanging cymbal walking in there. Bing, 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 bing. But he had a bell and a pomegranate. He had a fruit and a gift, a fruit and a gift. That was the picture. That was the picture. They balance each other. Does that make sense? There's two gifts of the Holy Spirit that are readily available today to you and I. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 3 through 4 says, But he that prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, he says, For you may all prophesy, you may all prophesy, one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, but don't forbid to speak with tongues. Paul, Paul's instructing the church. He says, listen, it's okay. This was a gifted church. He says, it's okay. I would like you all to prophesy. There's room for prophecy for everybody. But let's do it orderly, decently. And he says, but don't forbid speaking in tongues either. He says, we should speak in tongues. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 2 through 4. He that speaks in tongues and an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but to God. For no man understands him. No man understands him. When you speak in tongues, no man understands you. You're not speaking a language. No man understands him. You're speaking in tongues. He speaks not unto men, but unto God. 
for no man understands him. How be it? The spirit he speak, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, to exhortation, to comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue, edif- uh, unknown tongue edifies himself. He that prophesies edifies the church. Just jump down to verse 14 and 15. He says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. My spirit prays. My understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing in the spirit, but I also sing with my understanding as well. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. I think we grieve the Holy Spirit sometimes. We need to allow him to move. I'm encouraging you as a church to allow yourselves to speak in tongues. But more importantly, let's prophesy one to another. What did Jesus promise would happen to the disciples when the Spirit came upon them? I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit has arrested me. He told me that there's another wave coming, a wave of his Holy Spirit. It's going to hit some of us. Some of you haven't tasted a wave of the Spirit. Some of you haven't tasted a move of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's coming upon us again. And, and we're, in the, we're in the early days of it. I can sense it. There's something bubbling. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Listen to what he said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I'll close with this. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he says, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the uttermost part of the earth. I'd like you all to stand. Can you just go to the key of C? Can you just play in the key of C? And in this key, I'd like us all just to do something. The the, the Bible said there, it says, I will sing in the spirit and I will sing in my understanding. I will speak in the spirit and I will speak with my understanding. Here's something I've learned about this. You know, I've been praying in tongues now for like 50 years. I don't hardly do anything without praying in tongues. Sometimes when I'm just standing in front of a person, you don't know it, but I'm praying in tongues. Oh, I'm not going, in my spirit, man, I'm praying. You wouldn't understand what I was saying anyway. But I've learned this. Sometimes while I'm praying in the spirit, I pray in my spirit, and then I turn and I start talking to you. And you think I'm talking to you, but I'm actually praying for you by talking what I feel like God just said to me in the Spirit. It's almost like a prophecy. Then you say, oh, Pastor Tom knew exactly what I was, no, the Holy Spirit knows. I don't know. See, the Holy Spirit's the great guide. He's, he's the one that knows everything. Remember that revelation knowledge I talked about? How many of you know he knows everything? How many of you know he's quite willing to share a word of revelation with you, a word of knowledge? a word of wisdom. How many of you know he's willing to share his power with his saints if you make yourself available? These gifts are available. If you're av- Are you available? That's the question. It's not if he's available. Are you? Are you in the vine? Are you abiding in the vine? Is that fruit in you? Is that gifting able to work through you? Or are you so full of pride that you have to be the big giant man of God? Ooh, did you know? Hey, let you decrease. Let him increase. So I want to just close. I sing in the spirit. 
And then after we've sung in the Spirit, I want you to just stop singing in the Spirit. I want you to start singing what you think you understand. Just let something bubble up out of your spirit. So can we just sing in the Spirit? Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.